Well, good morning. My name is Paul. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. Uh, This week, we were scheduled to have a staff retreat at the beginning of the the week. Uh, And because of sicknesses and illnesses and things, uh, it felt like our plans changed probably at least a dozen times. And so uh, we finally kind of arrived on this idea that uh, we were going to give each staff member kind of a personal retreat day, uh, something we here call a day with Jesus. Uh, This is really important to us because we believe in kind of our work and ministry that if we're not uh, centering ourselves on the presence of God, if we're not spending time intentionally with Jesus, then everything else we're doing doesn't matter, right? And so we really wanted to give our our staff an opportunity to have some time with Jesus. And so on Monday uh, was my day with Jesus. And I, uh, we, Pastor Britt had recommended a book for us to read and my uh, copy was in the office. So I came into the office, grabbed my book and I headed to Starbucks uh, at the Newport Commons because I was just like, I love the seating area out there. This is going to be great. And when I pulled up, Starbucks was closed. And I thought, Starbucks isn't allowed to be closed? Like, that can't happen. Now, talk about a statement of privilege, right? If first world problems, if my Starbucks is closed, oh shucks. So what did I do? I drove two minutes to get a different Starbucks, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the biggest uh, redirection in the world, right? But I had these ideas and these plans, and so I went and got my Starbucks and actually uh, drove back uh, and sat outside this kind of uh, the outside space in the Newport Commons Starbucks. I just love that, that space, the, the feeling. It just feels so good. And uh, what was so interesting to me is I sat outside that closed Starbucks. And as I sat outside that closed Starbucks, I saw probably at least 100 people come and go, come and go. They'd come. The sign wasn't very big. So they'd get out of their cars. They'd come and you just would watch their face. <sighs> right? Like everybody was just devastated <laughs> that this Starbucks wasn't open. Now, uh, perhaps because I was in uh, the spiritual space because I was having this day with Jesus, or perhaps because we've kind of been trained to pay attention to these things, I was kind of like, what, is, what's, what do I have to learn from this? Now, I want to be careful to say that sometimes as Christians, we have a tendency to over-spiritualize things, right? So I don't think that God closed Starbucks in Newport Commons so I have a sermon illustration this morning, <laughs> right? Like, God wasn't closing that Starbucks, but... I do believe that when we're open to the presence of God, that when we are open and receptive to what God might be doing, God can use the most simple and mundane things in our life as these almost parables, right? These opportunities for us to see something or to understand something. And so I really honestly felt this invitation from God. Uh, I'm a planner. I like to know what's coming. I like to have answers. I like to anticipate things. And so at this point, when I had come to the closed Starbucks, it wasn't so much that the Starbucks was closed. It was like the 13th change, right? Does anybody else have pivot fatigue, right? Like this whole life right now feels like everything is changing and changing and changing and changing. And there was this invitation I received, uh, I I think, right, from God as I was seeking to be open to God and kind of the spiritual metaphor of this closed Starbucks. Again, (laughs) it's not like God closed the Starbucks, but this, this parable for me in my own journey. And that was this difference between being open and closed, right? All, I just thought about all of these missed opportunities, all of these missed interactions because the Starbucks happened to be closed. It wasn't like they were closed for not good reason. They were closed for a good reason, but there were all of these interactions, all of these things that were missed because they were closed. And I felt this kind of invitation to wrestle with the reality of how often in my own spiritual life, especially in the context of what I had experienced with all of these changes, all of these pivots, I need a good plan. 
And how often when my plans change, am I instead like that Starbucks and closed down? And at what interactions, how many hundreds of interactions, of opportunities, of possibilities am I missing because I'm closed to the movement of the Spirit? Because it didn't go the way I thought it should. Or it didn't go the way that I think it should. Or because it didn't go the, uh, in my favor, right? That I had to be inconvenienced by a four-minute trip to Starbucks. And so this invitation for us, I think, is one for us to continue to think about how do we remain open to the presence of God? Even when things don't go the way we'd expect, even when they don't go the way we'd hope, how can we continue to be in a posture of remaining open to God? Now, uh, we've been asking this question kind of throughout this whole series, where have you seen Jesus? And I so appreciate all of you who've responded uh, to that video, how you've seen Jesus. But there's uh, kind of a reason we've been asking that question is because it also kind of presupposes another question, which is that you're paying enough attention in your own life to see when Jesus moves, right? And so there's this almost question underneath the question of how are you remaining open to the presence of God in your life? And so when we ask this question, where are you seeing Jesus? We're inviting you to think about how God is at work, to be open to the ways in which God is present and active and alive in your everyday living. Now, in this uh, series, we've been kind of working through uh, uh, this idea of resurrection, right? So on Easter, we celebrate resurrection, that Jesus has come back to life, and that Jesus completely changes everything. Right? But there, all of these expectations, all of these hopes, all of these desires have been completely changed. Right? So the, the Jewish people had all these thoughts, they had all these ideas about who Jesus was or who the Messiah would be, and nothing went according to plan. And yet Jesus continues to extend this invitation, remain open to me, remain open to the presence of God. And so uh, a couple weeks after Easter, we looked at the story of the road to Emmaus as these two disciples were journeying with uh, after the hearing about Jesus no longer being in the tomb, and they're walking together and Jesus shows up and it says, as they entered into Emmaus, their eyes were opened when Jesus broke bread with them. And they said, our hearts burned within us when he opened the scriptures to us. Do you catch this theme, the openness, right? This opening up, opening up. And so then it says, after the uh, disciples, these two disciples were at Emmaus and Jesus had appeared to them, they rushed back to Jerusalem to be up in this uh, room with the rest of the disciples to tell the disciples, Jesus is alive. Like, we saw Jesus. And as they're telling the other disciples, it says that Jesus shows up again. And as Pastor Britta preached last week, when Jesus shows up, the resurrected Jesus, he shows them his wounds. And he eats fish with them. This reminder that the resurrected Jesus, this Jesus who has come back to life, didn't come back to life, at least how I would expect, right? This totally brand new, and certainly it was totally brand new, but Jesus still had wounds, and Jesus still had hunger. And so there's this invitation to remain open even when things don't go as we'd expect. And so our story this morning continues that invitation of openness. It kind of wraps up the book of Luke. And it sets up this kind of trajectory for what we are to expect. Now, something that's, I think, important, we're going to be looking at the end of the book of Luke. So in the New Testament, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to take it out. If not, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. But the New Testament talks about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and then that trajectory that Jesus sets. And what's a little bit confusing, I think, sometimes for us, is that... Um, in the, the way the Bible's shaped, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because all four of those stories tell about who Jesus is. But the book that comes next is the book of Acts. 
And the book of Luke is actually part one, and the book of Acts is actually part two. And so that's why beginning next week, we're going to continue with the book of Acts. And that's important because today, at the end of the book of Luke, Jesus sets up this invitation, right? Jesus sets up this invitation to remain open to the presence of God, to to not be closed off when things don't go the way that we'd expect or that we'd hope, but to remain open to seeing how God is at work, how the Spirit of God is moving among us. And so I want you to kind of hold that reality, that openness, that invitation to remaining open to the presence of God as we continue throughout the summer looking at the book of Acts. But this is kind of that trajectory, setting that trajectory point of what does it mean to remain open to the presence of God. So in Luke 24, we'll uh, pick up the story as Pastor Britta uh, so beautifully preached last week in uh, verse 44. So she ended at verse 43. Jesus takes and eats uh, fish in their presence. So Luke 24, beginning in verse 44. Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, uh, there's a bit to unpack in uh, in this passage. And these five verses... I'll admit, as I was reading, I just needed to kind of unpack this a little bit to kind of open up my own understanding. And so we're going to kind of work through this just a little bit. <clears throat> the first thing for us to, I think, think about is we've got on this theme of openness this morning. And so in chapter, chapter 44, verse 45, it says that Jesus opened up their minds. Uh, now, the New Testament, that's kind of part of the, the Bible written about Jesus and on, uh, that is written in Greek. And so sometimes in Greek, our English translation misses kind of a nuance to what words might be saying. And so it says that Jesus opens up their minds. Now, the word for open is really, really significant in this particular uh, instance of the word for open. The word that's used for open there carries with it a connotation that relates to a mother and a firstborn child. And the opening that happens is that a mother uh, has the potential for potential, right? A mother's body has potential for potential. And that a firstborn opens up the mother's womb for the first time. And so the word for opening their minds is like what a firstborn child does to a mother's womb. It opens it up to the potential of new life. Isn't that an incredibly beautiful metaphor? When it says that Jesus is opening up their minds to scripture, it's as if he's opening up the womb of their mind that had this potential, that had this understanding of the scriptures before, but it's as if Jesus is birthing an entirely new life into their perspective. Do you see that, like, beautiful imagery? There's this birthing of something new, an openness of womb, this growing reality that is going to change how they see everything. And so it says that Jesus opens up their minds, their minds blossom, they... Right? Have it like their mind is blown from what's happening. Their mind is opened to this understanding. And this understanding of what? What does it say? Their minds are open to understand the scriptures. Excellent. Now, 
The scriptures that Jesus is talking about, he says earlier in verse 44, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. Catch that. Jesus is saying everything that's written about me is fulfilled in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. When Jesus talks about the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, he's talking about the whole Old Testament. Everything written in the Jewish scriptures, the the people of God who had these anticipations, these expectations, the ways in which they thought things would go, everything written in the Old Testament, in the Jewish scriptures, points to Jesus, is fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Everything has been pointing to him. This is, right, this is birthing something brand new in their minds. This is the Messiah. This is the one who will redirect the course of life forever. And so Jesus births this new idea that all of Scripture points to him. Now, there's a a problem I think sometimes we have, and that is that when we come to Scripture to seek to understand Scripture, we're looking to know what exactly am I supposed to know? Like, what's the, the, this answer to this thing, right? And so sometimes we could be asking, okay, so like, how does Habakkuk 6.4 have anything to do with Jesus? And that is kind of missing the point. Because sometimes in our interpretation of scripture and our desire to understand something, we get caught in the detail. And what Jesus is doing is he's inviting them to see the narrative arc of how Jesus and the story of God has reached its fulfillment in Jesus himself. Right? And so uh, Jesus tells us in uh, verse 45, uh, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. Suffer and rise. This is the theme he's talking about. And what's interesting is it says he's referring to all of the scriptures, all of the Jewish text, this idea and this theme of rise and suffer, or rise, or excuse me, suffer and deliverance and rise is especially highlighted in what Jesus says. Right? The law of Moses. So in the Old Testament, the story of Moses is this person who uh, has suffering from early childhood, is delivered, and then rises, right? And then Moses is called to deliver God's people from Egyptian captivity and oppression. And so there's this suffering, this deliverance, and this rising. So this arc happens over and over and over again in the story of Jewish scriptures. And then when Jesus says the prophets, the same is true in the prophets. It points to how there's suffering, there's deliverance, and there's rising, there's resurrection, That cycle happens over and over and over again. In the book of Psalms, which is a book of songs in the center of the Bible, it is filled with stories of suffering, of deliverance, and rising. And so when Jesus opens up their minds to understanding, when he births this new life into their thinking, he's saying, everything that you have believed, everything that you have been longing for, all of the Jewish scriptures, the entire Old Testament has been pointing to me. And I have perfectly fulfilled the narrative of suffering and deliverance and resurrection. Do you see that that narrative arc of God's story and how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of what God has promised to the people? And so this relationship, these broken relationships now have the potential to be perfectly reconciled and restored because of Jesus's resurrection, right? Jesus's resurrection changes everything. And so their minds are opened up, they're birthed to this new life to understand the scriptures. Why? Why does Jesus open up their understanding? Is it so that they have more head knowledge? So that they're more, you know, important and more theologically astute? No. 
Is it so that they can be elevated more and they can do more things and they can be incredible and everybody can come and tell them how great they are? That's not why he does it. It says that Jesus birthed this brand new life into their thinking to open their understanding of the scriptures. Why? Because he says that the repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, to everyone everywhere, beginning at Jerusalem. And what does Jesus say? You are witnesses of these things. The reason Jesus opens up the disciples' minds to understanding, to help them understand the fullness of Scripture, is so that they can be witnesses to proclaim repentance and forgiveness to all people everywhere. Whoa! Right? This is a big deal. This redirects and resets the trajectory for the rest of human history. This changes everything. Jesus' resurrection changes everything. And so the thing that they're to proclaim, that they're to preach to all these nations, is repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is about orientation, right? This is about, there's a kinetic motion to this. And so what Jesus is saying is that you're to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins. Repentance is a word that means to return, right? To literally turn in your body. This week, uh, we made a social media post that asked people to write emojis of um, the pastors, right? And uh, Bill Hoglum uh, said, you know, that's pretty accurate, except Pastor Paul moves all the time. So what's like the, the emoji for moving all the time? And Bill Hoglum uh, said, uh, squirrel emoji. <laughs> so <clears throat> I recognize as I'm up here kind of like spinning around and doing all these moves, uh, I really, I, squirrel, right? Like I'm apparently squirrely. So now I've taken that personally but I wear it as a badge of honor uh, in my squirreliness. And I'll, okay, but here's the thing about that, though. This drives home the point that the, the Bible and Scripture and stuff, it's, a, it's kinetic. It actually, the reason I'm doing all this stuff isn't just because I am squirrely, though that's probably certainly true. But the reason I'm doing this is because repentance is this idea of literally returning or turning towards something. It's this idea of orientation. How are you going to orient your life? And Jesus opens up the understanding of the disciples to reveal to them that everything in the scriptures has been fulfilled in Jesus. And the call for them as witnesses is to preach to all people repentance, to turn to Jesus, to orient their entire life around Jesus. Do you see what's happening here? This opening up to orient their life. And the disciples are orienting their life in such a way that they're inviting others to orient their life in a squirrely motion towards Jesus. Right? This is so significant. Uh, along the lines of this orientation, what's also really important, I think, for us to grasp are these two words. These two words that, uh, I'll be honest, as I was reading through this passage, didn't even really notice them, uh, but that's the help we have of doing study and opening up our understanding of these passages so we can understand these things better. And it's these two words in verse 47. You are to, uh, repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name of Jesus to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Uh, another uh, way to understand that or to read that is beginning from Jerusalem. Two words, beginning from. Now this is important and significant when we talk about the idea of orientation because the people of God, the, the people of Israel, all the Jewish scriptures are written 
right, with the context of the people of God of Israel, had these expectations. They had this belief uh, because they felt like they were the, the special and elect people of God. God had said as much, that these were the special and elect people of God. And so they had these expectations and these hopes and these desires that when the Messiah would come, they would all of a sudden be elevated. And everybody would stream to the holy city for them, which was Jerusalem. And everybody would stream to them so that they could take their rightful place as the elect and the most important and the highest place. And so there were these expectations from the Jewish people back in those days that they would receive kind of this elevation and this divine election. And what does Jesus say? He says, beginning from reorient your thinking it doesn't say coming to it doesn't say streaming to become and then you are elevated it says beginning from jerusalem and so the invitation for the disciples and the people of god is to begin from and be sent out to Right? So it's this kinetic motion where we're returning to Jesus. And as we return to Jesus, we are being sent out. It certainly begins there. There's certainly an importance of gathering together as the people of God. But this is not the point. The point is to gather so that we might begin from and be sent out to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins to all people everywhere. I wonder, in our own life, how often are we organizing our lives around God? Or how often are we expecting God to organize God's self around our life? How often are we hoping that people will just come to us, stream to us, these elect and wise people who have read the scriptures, and so we have theological, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, a lot of theology. And Jesus' invitation for us, that's like such a perfect point, by the way. I was looking for like a smart, intelligent thing to say, and I couldn't think of it. That's the point, right? The point isn't that we're more intelligent, that we get it better than other people. The point is that we understand that our job is to be, our understanding is opened, and when it's opened, it orients us to Jesus, and it invites other people to be oriented to Jesus. That's incredible. That's, that's mind-boggling, earth-shifting stuff. And so Jesus is kind of setting all this up, right? He's setting this whole thing up. The, the people of God in the Old Testament, they had all of these hopes and these dreams and these expectations for what the Messiah would be. And then Jesus comes and he dies. And so their expectations are totally shattered. And then Jesus comes back to life and it's like, here we go. We're ready. We're all set. And Jesus meets with the disciples and he comes to them and he eats with them. And it's like, well, I don't know what's happening, but this is incredible. And he opens up their mind to understanding the scriptures and says, I'm going to open your understanding so that you'll be oriented towards me. And so what's the plan? Wait. The plan is wait. Jesus says, stay in the city. What? He set up this whole thing like it's ready to go. And the plan is just wait. The word that's used there for stay in the city literally means to sit down. Sit down. And you know, I think that's a spiritual practice and a spiritual invitation for us. So often we come to the scriptures because we want to know what to do. We want to know what's going to happen. We want to know the answers. We want to know the plan. 
And the invitation that Jesus extends is remain open to my presence. Wait. Wait on me to move. Wait on my spirit to come to you. The thing the Father will give to you will clothe you with power. The spirit is coming, but wait. Sit and wait for me to move. Be open to the presence of God. Do you see the significance? Now, God does send his spirit. Jesus' spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, and we're going to get to that in a few weeks. But it isn't up to the disciples to decide when that's going to happen. The plan Jesus gives the disciples in this moment at the end of the book of Luke, stay and sit in the city until I move. Right? We sang that song, we need to move. We need the movement of the Spirit to guide us to know and to move. It isn't that we go and invite God to organize God's life around our life, but it's that we're invited to have our understanding of Scripture opened. And when our understanding of Scripture is opened, it orients us towards Jesus. Everything is reoriented towards Jesus, towards the resurrection. And that orientation invites us to remain open to the presence of God. Jesus opens up their understanding to the scriptures to orient their life to be open to the presence of God. And so by extension, the invitation for us is that our, our invitation is that Jesus will open our understanding to orient our lives to be open to the presence of God. We don't get to determine how it's going to go. It's not us, uh, up to us to get to set the plan. I'm a planner. I want to know step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. Where are we going? You see, we want plans and we want answers. And Jesus gives us his spirit. Let me say that again because I'm preaching now. <laughs> Jesus gives us his spirit. We want plans and we want answers. And Jesus gives us his spirit. The invitation is for our understanding to be open so that we would orient our life in such a way that we are open to the presence of God. How often do we, when things don't go the way that we want, are we like that closed Starbucks where we're missing hundreds of interactions and relationships and opportunities because it didn't go the way we thought it should? Or how often do we come to Scripture hungry to know what's going on, to have understanding, and then only to be found that the presence of God is what's offered to us? This is infuriating, I'll be honest. As a planner and a, one that wants to have every step figured out, I, this, I'm like, really, God, this is the sermon for today? But the invitation for us, even when we find ourselves in places of significant pain and grief and asking these questions, is that God will open up our understanding to orient us to be open to the presence of God. That the presence of God will meet us. We don't always know what's going to happen. A lot of things we don't understand. But the invitation is to remain open to the presence of God. I will admit, as a leader, this is a, an entirely different way of thinking about things. It would be so much easier to just give you all the answers. This is what God is doing. Here's the plan. Here's where we're going and how we're going to get there. But I've honestly come to learn, I don't think that that's faithful to being a, a leader who's seeking to lead others into the presence of Jesus. Because that, that relies too much on me or on us or on someone else, on a human understanding of something. 
And I'm so grateful for Pastor Mary and our elder board, for our staff team, who are committed to not just giving you the answers. Right? Pastor Brenna and I, I believe one of our most important roles and responsibilities as co-lead pastors of this congregation is to invite you to be open to the presence of God. One of our primary responsibilities, if not our primary responsibility, is to invite you to be open to the presence of God. To not tell you how it's going to go, we don't know. To not uh, name step one and step two and step three and step four, though when the movement of the Spirit happens, we discern those things together and we do move forward, as we'll see in the book of Acts. But our job is not to tell you what to do, but to invite you to be open to the presence of God in your midst. When we come to the scriptures as Jesus uh, invites the disciples, it is as if something new entirely, a new life is being born in our minds to open our understanding so that we might be oriented, we might have our direction completely centered on Jesus so that we could be open to the presence of God. So where are you seeing Jesus? And really the question underneath that question is, how are you remaining open to the presence of God? How are you remaining open to what God is doing? And to come alongside the movement of the Spirit together. When we do that, the miracles will happen when you move, right? When God moves, miracles happen. Healing takes place. Things we could never fathom beyond our understanding and comprehension happen because it's about God and not about us. About keeping ourselves open to the presence of God in our midst. And so as we close, uh, the book that Pastor Britta invited us to read has these prayers from a, a person by the name of Ted Lauder. And these prayers are beautiful invitations to rest into the presence of God. And as we close, I'm going to pray this prayer very uh, almost methodically and intentionally. To invite you to simply open yourself up to the presence of God. To whatever it is the Spirit might be speaking or doing or moving in our community. Not that we would give you the answer or that even God would necessarily give you the answer. But would open you up to how the presence of God is at work in your life. As Pastor Britta beautifully led us in, I want to invite you to close your eyes and perhaps again open your hands in a posture of being open being open to what God might be doing. To allow yourself to settle into this space for just a moment. To reorient your thinking to the presence of God in our midst. Gentle me, Holy One, into an unclenched moment. A deep breath. A letting go. Of heavy expectancies. Of shriveling anxieties. of dead certainties. 
that's softened by the silence. Surrounded by the light. And open to the mystery. I may be found by wholeness. Upheld by the unfathomable. Entranced by the simple. And filled with the joy that is you. Open us up to your presence, O God.